are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. on Hollis Ave after dark when I seen a man chilling with his dog in the park I approached very slowly with my heart full of fear looked at his dog oh my god an ill reindeer Captain? Uh, shit Computer pause Kirk's best yippee kaye milk and cookies holiday playlist What in the galaxy is going on here? Weren't you just chiding me for using my cell phone on the bridge and now you're you're what are you doing? I'm wrapping presents I don't see any presents, sir. My wrapping is the present! I'm perfecting this one just for you! I am truly at a loss for words. That is so... Thoughtful, I know. Definitely not the word I was looking for. But that tune does sound familiar. Why do I know it? Because we just watched the holiday classic Die Hard! Ugh. I should have agreed to stay on Vulcan for the entire Earth holiday season. So far, I've been subjected to Gremlins 2, Die Hard, and Holiday Run DMC, and it isn't even Hanukkah yet. Also, you're Jewish, sir. Why all the Christmas movies? It's illogical. I'm putting my foot down. Next time, I pick the viewing material. Well, all right. That sounds fair. Just pick something good that I will definitely like. And this Jew loves Christmas movies and classic rap. Also, I know for a fact that you did not hate Die Hard. I heard you giggling at Alec Rickman's quips. Well, I'm only Vulcan, sir. Um, <laughs> but why is it that after every gift-giving holiday, I get you a thoughtfully selected gift, and you do something like, well, this? You mean something awesome? Honestly, sir, it seems as though I take the time to choose just the right sort of gift— like last year, when I got you a stuffed dog companion for your mensch on a bench, and you don't put forth the same effort. I think... I think it's starting to damage our relationship. <gasps> I, Spock, I, I had no idea. You've never said anything. I thought you loved my singing tributes. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll do better. Thank you, sir. I accept your apology. I would, however, appreciate a gift this year that is not belted at me. Let's go ahead and open the show. Can I at least wrap the opener? No. Ugh, fine. <laughs> Hello, friends! I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, and Spockian first officer. Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Well said, sir. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. Ah, oh, polite. <laughs> well, you know, it, it feels like it, it's like the theme of this holiday trilogy that we're doing. <laughs> um, speaking of which, why did we watch Die Hard again? Because it's emblematic of how difficult and also how powerful it can be to make amends. Are we talking about the same film? Uh, yes, let me explain. Uh, John McClane is estranged from his wife, Holly. He did not believe that she could succeed in her career in L.A. because women, am I right? And so he stays in New York just waiting for her to fail because he was wow. so convinced. Right? I know. Mm -hmm. Gross. Yeah. Uh, because he was so convinced that he was right. He lost his wife and children. So she she even goes back to her maiden name, which was like a big deal in the 1980s. He wanted more to be right than to be happy. Oh, yes. I see. And his attendance at the Nakatomi Corporation's holiday party was his attempt to make amends. Yes. And it wasn't oh. going half bad either. But then the place was taken over by robbers. And that's where you lose me, sir. How, then, is the rest of this film a story of a family coming together, 
it's literally just John McClane running around without any shoes on, which also sidebar, totally illogical. Um, he could, I mean, like he could have found time to like go back and get shoes. Um, certainly he shoots up enough like random German Swedes, people with flowing locks for there to be a pair of shoes he could put on. But he only anyway. tests the one guy. He does. He only tests the one guy and then it's then it's forgotten because then he I guess he's so busy just shooting people and quipping with Hans over the walkie talkie. And and honestly, I do have to say that that was pretty delightful. Mm-hmm. OK, it, it, once again, my logical companion, I think you're being just a little bit too literal. Me? So, yeah, <laughs> yes. Mm, sorry. Sometimes there is so much pain and so much damage to a relationship that a simple sorry, like you and I had earlier, just isn't going to do it. Trust has to be rebuilt. In this case, John needed to show Holly not just that he loved her, but that she could trust him, that he would show up and keep showing up. And in this way, the robbers represent the barriers that John needs to cross to rebuild trust with Holly. Hmm. That is if you don't mind my saying so, a serious reach. Is it? When John is at his very lowest, after he's gotten his feet all cut up with glass and he's starting to think that he'll never find his way out of this, he calls to his companion, Officer Al Powell, or the dad from Family Matters, Mm -hmm. and asks him to tell Holly, John is sorry. His goal in the whole thing is to heal his relationship with his wife. And presumably his children. Although if you've watched subsequent diehard movies, you know that that's a bit more difficult. Uh, But the bottom line, those robbers are the barrier between John and Holly, and they have to be dealt with. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Vulcan. Okay. I think I see where you're going with this metaphorically. So if the robbers are the issues between John and Holly, then Hans, the mastermind British-German criminal is the main issue, the one that is the hardest to defeat. We can deal with all the more petty problems, but that one, the smartest one, is the hardest to beat. Exactly. But just like in real life, we need support to get through that. Running around a mostly empty office building just randomly shooting isn't going to accomplish our goals. No, we need another skilled partner. That means... Yes? That Officer Powell is like John's psychotherapist? Yes! Now you see how powerful this movie is. Although I would argue that because John and Holly have such difficulties, they have more than one difficult problem. Uh, Remember that after they defeated Hans, Carl, the flowiest locked robber, Mm -hmm. uh, who they thought was long dead, he came back and and tried to, to bite them, but was ultimately defeated with the help of our good friend, Officer Psychotherapist. What about the FBI guys? Well-meaning friends who think they know what to do to help, but really just belabor the problem. Wow. Die Hard is either seriously deep or you really know how to tell a good psychotherapy story. Both are true. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So I'm thinking about this. We have now laid out that arguably, um, I have to admit, you've pretty much convinced me here that the like the undercurrent of what's happening in Die Hard really is how to like heal a marriage that's been in distress for an extended period of time. How do we reconnect? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like, not only do we have psychotherapist Al Powell, really, woof, he's just doing so many solids of this film. Um, and he's really are, he's showing up and he's holding space. He like really a good is. Therapist should. Yeah, he is. And what's interesting is that. You know, like all psychotherapists, he has his life outside of the office, right? Like we see him <laughs> uh-huh. getting all those donuts to bring to his wife, and that, like, uh, uh, I don't excuse me, Twinkies, Twinkies. Okay, Twinkies. it's an important plot point. So you're you're right because I was like, what I was thinking of is what like the cashier guy who's like giving him crap because he's like, don't you guys eat donuts? But mm-hmm. he was like, they're for my wife, and the guy like clearly doesn't believe him. <laughs> I don't know why. But anyway, like, so, like, psychotherapist police officer Al Powell has, like, other things happening in his life. But he, like, puts those on hold once he enters the therapy room, a.k.a. the parking lot. Of the Nakatomi (laughs) Plaza. Yes. (laughs) And he's there and he's showing up for John and Holly. But I think one of the interesting things or, like, the sort of, like, the textual thing that's going on here as well is... 
I don't know if on their own, John and Holly would have like come together were it not for this particular holiday. Mm-hmm. Well, right. Because the reason that John is there, which he says, mm-hmm. is that he was accidentally invited to the holiday party. So, I mean, I I kind of speculate that um, Mr. T- Mr. T- Mr. Takagi. Oh man! Mr. I, Ooh, let, let me pause. Just let's say, side note. Yeah, yeah, let's. No, I know where you're going, and I'm going there too. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Friends, if you listened to part one of our holiday special, and we you know, know you did, and we we hope that you did, mm-hmm. uh, you know that I lovingly called Gizmo's caretaker Mister Ming. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, my inner Gizmo thought his name was Mister Ming, mm-hmm. but a quick Google search, which I could have done before we started recording, but did not. Uh, because I was so sure I was right, <laughs> much like John McClane. Uh, <laughs> it's in fact Mr. Wing. So apologies, uh, to Gizmo and Mr. <laughs> Wing, and apologies to uh, my good friend Spock, who I give so much shit to <laughs> for mispronouncing names. Um, I didn't just mispronounce it once. I literally thought it was a different name for the entirety of, of that podcast. So 50 points to Ravenclaw, which means I win anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. (laughs) But what I was going to say is that I do want to offer that in my opinion, I do think that Mr. Ming is a superior name to Mr. Wing. Um, Nonetheless, that's not really the issue here. The issue is is that technically it's Mr. Wing. (laughs) So that's been said. Apology accepted. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so (laughs) glad that this episode is all about making amends because I feel like we're really able to heal some stuff. Oh, yes, we really are. And that brings Mm -hmm. us back to the holiday season and your point like earlier along, right before we started talking about Mr. Ming Wing. Um, (laughs) Mr. Wang, uh, which was that like what John says that he was accidentally invited to the holiday party, which I'm with you. I don't buy that either. Yeah, I think it was <laughs> Mr. Takagi because he seems like a real mensch. And I he think does. he was like, Holly's my height, my my right hand lady. Mm-hmm. And I want her to be happy. And I think part of what's going to make her happy is getting her and that that crazy husband of hers back together. You know, the crazy kids. Uh, I'm not using that term derogatorily. No, no, just just in a, in a jocular fashion. Yes. Yeah, and like maybe he would have like contrived some other reason to do it. Maybe he would have thrown, I don't know, a sushi roll making party or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but the holidays provided a solid catalyst to bring these two people together to start to kind of like work on their issues, which judging from the number of, you know, long locked Scandinavian Germans that they had to, <laughs> to move through were pretty extensive. So it makes sense that they were kind of avoiding it, that they were avoiding this confrontation. But the holidays was like a solid catalyst to kind of bring these two people into the room to start to work through their stuff. Cause ultimately what they want is to get back together It's just hard to face because it isn't going to be easy. And so I know that like last up, we talked quite a bit about the ways that the holidays can be kind of first and foremost challenging and maybe even go so far as to say problematic. But in this part of what we wanted to explore was the ways that like they can be the opportunity to bring us back together with maybe distanced folks that we care about. Um, cause then we have the opportunity to make amends. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if amends aren't possible, you know, whether we, we aren't ready to go there or mm-hmm. we know for one reason or another that our family member is unwilling or incapable of having those conversations, this is also an opportunity to talk about setting boundaries. Mm. Does that come up in this film, do you think? Are there people running around trying to set boundaries? Um, oh, I did a thing. God damn it. 
Okay. Uh... <laughs> it's hard, man. It's hard. But our producer is going to help us make it all the way to the top. Think of all the people who had to tell Peter Dinklage whatever they told him to help get him to the top. Peter Dinklage. Someday we'll meet oh. Peter Dinklage and we'll be oh. like, what did people say to you? And he'll be like, um... I am a person of small stature. What do you think they said to me? <laughs> oh. And yeah. we'll be like, right. Feels Peter Dinklage. And then we'll buy ourselves a round of non-alcoholic shots. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and and some vegan appetizers, because he's a vegan. Oh, more reason to love and aspire to be like this man. I know. I know. He loves dogs. All right. Oh. Uh <laughs> I'm into Peter Dinklage. We all are. And Brian, I want you to know I just took a drink, but totally away from the mic. So hopefully you didn't pick that up. All right. Back to what and we were I, talking about. And I've been about. doing it the whole time. I've been doing it the whole time, Brian. <laughs> she, she, she has. <laughs> okay. 10,000 uh, points for Ravenclaw. <laughs> I still win. We both still win. Yes. Uh, remember that time <laughs> you came into supervision and you were like, I've discovered what Hogwarts house I'm in. And you paused for dramatic effect, and then you said Ravenclaw, and mentor Patty and I were both like, "Uh huh, uh huh." <laughs> you were neither of you were in any way like impressed or surprised, <laughs> and Patty was doing that thing like our mentor Patty. She very much, I feel like, subscribes to sort of like the psychotherapy school where it's not so much like Tabula Rasa, but more like the neutral, compassionate face. Mm-hmm. And for any of our listeners out there who have worked with Justine and I, you will know that we do not have <laughs> the neutral, compassionate face. What we have is a very expressive face, and we have learned how to use that uh, psychotherapeutically. But I'm naming this because while Patty was channeling her like neutral, compassionate face uh, <laughs> with like, you know, some like quizzical brow furrowing, like, huh? Um, I turned to Justine and she was like, is this like a fucking surprise? <laughs> She was like, how did it take you this long? Did you just take this quiz? Like, where have you been? <laughs> I'm not apologizing for that. No one No, I don't. <laughs> and like that brings up a solid point because like sometimes, sometimes there aren't what amends to be made. It's mm-hmm. what would you, it's what, what is it about? Like understanding that each person gets to have a different perspective and respecting their different viewpoint. And I think part of how we can do that is by using a boundary, right? Because something that a boundary does is a boundary says like, this is where I end and you begin. And we connect to people via kind of like our emotions and our memories and shared experiences. But those connections, if we want to visualize them are kind of like, I don't know, like two ropes that each person is holding on to. Mm-hmm. as opposed to like becoming enmeshed as if like i don't know we were like sharing an organ or something mm-hmm. um right which is mm-hmm. such a gross analogy but really yeah. that's very much what enmeshment is yes yes it's it like is. i don't i don't know if this shit is my shit or if this shit is your shit mm-hmm. because all of our shit is just kind of like jumbled together. up together like did you have kentucky fried chicken yesterday i thought we were going <laughs> vegan like what happened i feel weird do you feel weird where is this from right but a boundary which like you know separate people separate organs we can be like oh you you made a choice to have kfc last night how did that go for you mm-hmm. right and even if like i'm a vegan and clearly i mean my friend had kfc they're they're probably not i last time i checked kentucky fried chicken didn't have like a vegan menu option um, oh i wish they did well, KFC, if we got an idea for you, hit us up. Um, <laughs> right, but that boundary, what it allows me to say is like, okay, like it helps me identify these are my personal dietary choices. Here are my friends' personal dietary choices. I don't have to agree with theirs in order for us to still be connected and still be close. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And this seems to be something that I would say, and, and now I'm kind of like doing what the captain did, which is kind of like really kind of extrapolating, but but why not? It's mm-hmm. tis the season. Um, <laughs> it's, it seems like Holly un- understands this, this concept about boundaries and how like we can be like separate, but still connected and together. And 
John seems to like really be struggling with that idea. And of course I'm referring to that like bathroom scene, right. Where like they're trying to talk and it's like before, like John looks himself in the mirror after he, she leaves and is like, come on, man, like what that, get it together. And I don't, rem- I like, I, I'm not, I'm blanking on what they're fighting about, but there's something that she says that very much gave me the impression that like, yeah, like Holly seems to understand this. Do you remember this conversation at all? Um, do I remember this conversation at all? <laughs> So that conversation starts because they're the two of them are kind of dancing around where is John going to stay while he's in yes, town. Yes, that's so right. apparently they haven't had that conversation. Um, you know, she knew that he was coming to town, but clearly and we know because of the phone call she has with their like au pair, I think. With their extremely um, problematic uh, housekeeper slash nanny. Paulina. Paulina. Played by Betty Carvalho. Um, Betty, if I didn't pronounce your name right, and let's be honest, Betty, you you know I didn't. Um, But like, shout out to your work there, Betty. And yes, highly problematic um, the way they structured the characterization of Paulina. But okay, so back up. So Holly was having having a conversation with Paulina that was supposed to be cute and endearing and show us how they had a good working relationship. Um, (laughs) And one of the things that is made pretty clear is that both of them are hoping that John will stay at the, the LA family home because Mm -hmm. Paulina has already made up a room for him in the casa. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And so when, when John is washing up, which he literally does, he literally washes up who does that. Like he stripped down, to a spanking white tank top and mm-hmm. took off his shoes, which we know is an important way to get grounded, but also not a great way to to fight English. No, it's not. And or- also, like, I know he was, like, in a hurry. Lots of things were firing. But, like, really, man, like, two seconds to, like, throw the shoes on your feet. Don't put the socks on just, like, st- anyway. <laughs> like even and like and here in case our listeners are wondering even as a small child the shoe situation <laughs> really bothered me i think i saw some of you when i was around like seven or eight and like the whole film i was like on pins and needles <laughs> worried about his feet well and then he steps on the glass where you're like i told you yes it was really i it was i was like oh my like part of me was just like so afraid but also there was such relief because finally the thing i'd been afraid of the entire film had happened <laughs> mm-hmm. oh man i feel like that's so unpackable but uh it not is. right now Sure. <laughs> All right. So they're they're having this conversation and they're both kind of dancing around where he's going to stay and he's like I'm going to stay with the old uh law enforcement buddy mm-hmm. up in the suburbs and she's like, "Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense. It's such a long drive." Yeah, you'd be in the car most of the time. And LA Why traffic. Don't... <laughs> Which is real. That's it real. Is, it is real, right? <laughs> it is. Um, but she is finally, as we're talking about boundaries, she mm-hmm. has decided for herself that she is okay with John staying with her. But she does set the boundary of it's going to be in another room. We're not mm-hmm. sharing a room, John. We're not getting no. freaky. We're not there we're not, yet. We're not there yet. But it's cool if you want to, like, bring your personage into the house. I'm okay and, with that. And and I would even go so far that, like, I think she wants him to bring his personage into the house. <laughs> <laughs> but along those lines, like, she, she seems to have a kind of a clear understanding that, like, this is going to take some time. Mm-hmm. And there needs to be some steps. And we need to move through those steps. And we need to name them and have boundaries around them. And what would you say John's reaction is to all this? So, I mean, I think he got a hold of his old buddy and just asked to stay with him because it was too uncomfortable to have this conversation. Mm. It, It was too uncomfortable for him to say, Holly, I miss you. Uh, I made a mistake. Cause I, he says, to officer psychotherapist at the end of the film that that holly has heard him say i love you a thousand times but she's never heard him say i'm sorry wow so a right Mm -hmm. 
That uh, like I mean I I know he says that because I rewatched it. Uh <laughs> but it like it that hits me every time as being like, You serious, dude? Really? Oh right. Yeah, right. I I don't know how that's possible in within a relationship. But I mean, I've I've seen couples where that's fairly accurate. Yeah, um, yeah, no, no, me too. Especially uh saying sorry with conviction. Mm-hmm. Like I've had lots of couples that have said I'm sorry to each other, but it wasn't believed. Right. So it might as well not have been said. Right. And part of part of what makes the I'm sorry feel genuine and registered on, a, on an emotional level, right, is that we are getting those cues from our partner that seem to indicate that not only are they speaking the words, but there is an intent to make amends or mm-hmm. to atone if you want to kick it with Judaism. <laughs> Tis the season. Mm-hmm. Tis. Uh, <laughs> uh, right. So I think he just, he was too afraid to have this conversation. So he yeah. was like, you know what? I don't want to admit I was wrong. So right. I'm just going to arrange with my buddy to stay with him. And that way I don't have to have this conversation. Right. And I think it was a little bit of, I'll make her come to me. Sure. So it was still like, it was anxiety about confrontation, which is ironic because this is a man who like confronts people all the time but when he's confronting those people he's in a position of power he is a badge Mm -hmm. he's the law and in this kind of confrontation you're confronting your equal you're confronting your partner Mm -hmm. and that makes him feel all kinds of anxiety and he doesn't know what to do so he sets it up thing this thing up with his old cop buddy and then holly's like all right let's let's have a conversation about what's going on because we're partners we need to talk about this and you can see and here's where bruce willis and i know some people aren't going to agree with me on this but i think bruce willis when he wants to can really act and you can see on his face that he's just like oh my god all the nerves are firing and he feels (laughs) so uncomfortable like everything Mm -hmm. about this dialogue about like boundaries and holly approaching him as an equal is just so unnerving for him Mm mm-hmm yeah. So no wonder, uh, uh, mm. no wonder as soon as he hears those gunshots, he is out there because, okay, this is how I shine. This is where I shine. I'm not going to stop for shoes. No, oh. I'm headed straight into where I know how, where I'm skillful. I'm going to just zip right into where I'm skillful. See, and, and and perhaps folks thought that we were just like needlessly harping on those shoes, but this is where it becomes <laughs> actually important, right? Because mm-hmm. if I'm kind of picking up what you're putting down, and I think we know each other well enough to know that I probably am, um, <laughs> what you're really saying here is that like John really is desperate to reconnect with Holly, to make amends, to atone, to like figure this shit out, right? But he doesn't mm-hmm. really have the skills to do it. There is that component of like, yeah, he knows how to like confront when he's in that position of power. And I do think that there's probably some patriarchy stuff that's going on there for him. Mm-hmm. And also, he has skills and competencies when it comes to like confronting somebody who's, I don't know, like holding up a gas station right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't have the skills he needs to have this kind of like hard, compassionate, confrontational dialogue with the woman who probably means like more, like the most, like more than anything to him in his life. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and where would he have gotten those skills? Again, you know, patriarchy hurts everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, like he doesn't have those skills, but he he desperately wants to figure it out, but he doesn't know how. And so he doesn't feel competent in it. But yeah, as soon as those guns go off, he's like, yes, I can finally (laughs) spring into action. Like he's wanted to be able to fix something, but he doesn't know how. But here's a situation where he can fix it, Mm -hmm. maybe. Right. And Mm -hmm. so we know how desperate he is to do that in part because he doesn't even bother to put his shoes on. Mm hmm which is highly illogical, but it does help to kind of like really emphasize how badly he wants to make amends. And as soon as he identifies an opportunity where he feels like, oh, I, I really could do something here. I know how to respond here. He rushes to it with such fervor and no logic. <laughs> 
Well, and I think there's an interesting juxtaposition there mm-hmm. between John and his rush inism and uh, officer psychotherapist Powell. Oh. Yeah, follow me here. Mm-hmm, um, I'm with you. Yeah, who in his backstory, the reason he's on the beat he's on now is because there was a shooting incident where he accidentally, spoiler alert, and also trigger warning, shot a kid. Yeah. So, um, and he's never been able to pull his gun again. Mm-hmm. And talk about emblematic of shit that happens in relationships. Mm-hmm. If If something went wrong or something backfired on you, or you really hurt somebody, mm-hmm. you may never want to be in a relationship again. And I hear this all the time from folks. Yes. It's, it's just too dangerous. There's just too much of a risk that I'm going to yeah. hurt somebody or I'm going to get hurt. Yeah. And I just can't do it again. It was so hard mm-hmm. this last time. It took me so much. You know that, psychotherapist. You've been with me through this for such a long time, you know I can't do this again. I can't mm-hmm. risk being hurt like this again. I can't risk hurting like this again. Mm-hmm. And the the duality of officer psychotherapist, mm-hmm. which I, I don't know if our listeners uh, know or think mm-hmm. about stuff their psychotherapist goes through, um, because why would you? It's not your job right. to hold, to hold but- their feelings. But we probably have like psychotherapist listeners who are going to be like, aha, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about transference, countertransference and parallel processing. (laughs) That's exactly what I was talking about. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) Back to our dear psychotherapist cop friend, transference, countertransference. And what you were saying, which was, I think, very interesting, which was that he names in his back and forth therapeutic dialogue over the cop radio system um, that that he has he has fears of confrontation, too. Right. Mm -hmm. That there have been things that like he have done that he has done in his past that felt so terrible, that felt so bad that he was like, I just walked away Mm -hmm. instead of confronting. Yep. And it took someone that he cared about, his his new client friend, John, because he doesn't need boundaries. He's not a real psychotherapist. No. Um, (laughs) That that his client slash friend slash couple he just brought back together was in danger and he had to act. Right. And then he was forced into action. And hey, he was able to do it because he had those skills all along. He was just mm-hmm. too afraid to use them. Right. And, it is, and, and here's where like the transference countertransference comes in is that really for much of the film, our dear friend Al Powell, like his focus is really like, how, do, how can we support John? Like remember mm-hmm. when his like super shitty like chief of police white dude shows up and it's just like (laughs) he is like that man is an idiot and he is yelling at people and he is speaking to him in derogatory degrading you know pandering tones i clearly had a lot of feelings about you had so many feelings about him (laughs) well you remember like as soon as he came on i was like texting you like what is wrong with this man um (laughs) but so but even like even as his yeah like his superior officer shows up that all the way through like al powell is like no like this is about john we need to trust him we need to show up for him we need to support him he's like he keeps being like that man is up there in that building So really, like the heart of his story has really been, how can I be a support for my new client, bro, friend? Um, That part of what's happening for him, too, is that as he is helping John face and confront the barriers to making amends with his wife, Mm -hmm. the countertransference or the parallel processing for our friend Al Powell is that by helping someone else do this, he is internally having to do that work for himself mm-hmm. because if he wasn't doing that, then he wouldn't be able to show up for John McClain in the ways that he wants to. So um, ca- when I think of countertransference, I think of countertransference as my shit as a therapist. Mm-hmm. So I've got, I've got my own backstory. Sure. Which- we all do. We all do. We all have our own backstory. Spoiler alert, your therapist has an origin story. They won't tell it to you because no. that wouldn't be good boundaries. 
No, uh, and it's not. It's often not really like clinically significant. Mm-hmm, right. But um, if you have a client that brings something up in you, like mm-hmm. for, um, let's use the the owl example because it's what we've got right now. Yes. He he immediately wants to take care of John. Yeah. His immediate instinct is, I need to take care of this guy. Mm-hmm. And if if we could go inside Al Powell's head, he is likely saying to himself, I couldn't save that kid, but I'm going to save this guy. Yeah. And while that's probably not a conscious process, it's probably a subconscious process. Mm-hmm. Um, there, as therapists, when we have a big feeling around a client, we have to ask ourselves, like, what's going on for me? What in my history, what in my shit is coming up? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think of when I think of countertransference. I think of it as like my shit that is getting reflected off this client. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's there is absolutely some countertransference happening with with Al and John. Mm-hmm. And, and that there that there's a way to use it therapeutically, and very yes. much I think Al Powell does that. Rather than becoming overwhelmed by the desire to save John, in it sounds like historically he has, because that's been part of his thing of like, I never want to have to draw my gun again. Because another mm-hmm. way to put that is, I never want to like care so much about the outcome of a risky situation that I potentially make a mistake. Mm-hmm. That he is, in working with John, there is that chance to be in that situation again. And use the new skills and knowledge that he has learned since that experience to show up in a different and more experienced way. Mm -hmm. So what does this mean for our friends at home? What does this mean for our friends at home? Maybe when we're thinking about whether or not we're even going to go home for the holidays, Mm -hmm. uh, this might be something we're thinking about is are there people with whom I want to make amends? Right. Or are there people from whom I need an amends? Right. Um, in order to fully trust them again, or even partially trust them again. Full, or full even trust be, is a lot. It's a lot. Or maybe even to be able to like connect to them in a way that feels safe. Mm-hmm. And it may be that like you are not yet ready to climb into bed with them. Mm-hmm. a la Holly that maybe you need to sit down and think about, okay, like I want to, I want to have them over in the house. I want to see them, but I need to like make up a separate space where they can sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's thinking about, all right, do I need to make amends? Do I need amends from someone else? And then in addition to that, if I, if I'm going to see people who, with whom I have kind of, the unfinished business or barriers to connection that are long locked Scandinavian Germans with machine guns. <laughs> Those are some big issues. Yes. How <laughs> might I kind of ease into an interaction with them and mm-hmm. set up boundaries that are going to help me feel safe? Because when we, when there's been that kind of distance and pain in a relationship, we're not going to be able to go back to when things were easy, breezy, beautiful, and like totally connected five years ago. You know, Mm -hmm. it's going to be different. And so how do we find a way to maybe like still see them, maybe have a meal with them, but in a way that is not as connected as it was before, because we don't have that trust yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is something that I talk to clients about fairly regularly when I see couples is, Mm -hmm. you know, if there's been some sort of breach of trust and often that shows up as infidelity, but there's all different kinds of way that trust gets breached. Um, The the person that broke the trust is often frustrated that the person whose trust is broken isn't immediately just over it. Yes. Um, and this idea that trust needs to be built, like, like walking up a set of stairs, you know, you, you walk up one step and if that goes, okay, all right, cool. Then you walk up the next step and you walk up the next step, but you're, you're not at the top of the staircase without walking up it. Right. 
and this is not a like take the elevator type situation that's not happening no no No. it's not this is this is stairs this is stairs yeah (laughs) and sometimes you you skip a step and you have to go back sometimes you trip all the way back down to the bottom you know and as you're saying all of this i am thinking of john and on the many ways that he has to like navigate getting both up and down the uh nakatomi corporation building right Mm -hmm. and he is just going up and down and all around and like remember Mm -hmm. when he tries to take the elevator and that's a terrible idea (laughs) when half of the building's been blown up yes and I think that's a great analogy to kind of tie into what you're talking about, that when we try to like fast track to like now trust has been renewed and we're OK and we've talked about the way that, that the trust was breached and broken and that means we're fine, <laughs> that we've moved too quickly and we are going to end up, you know, falling down the shaft, falling down the shaft like John does <laughs> and nearly dying and it being even more painful because it's it it needs to be a slow process. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just like it takes a long time to train for a marathon. I use this analogy all the time with folks, which is ironic because I am never going to run a marathon. (laughs) (laughs) And I always name that. So it's like a nice moment of levity. But I like to use the marathon analogy because I think many of us know what it is. And it's like, oh, my God, it's like such a long race right? And it seems so hard and so challenging. But like, you don't just like get up in the morning. Like I would I couldn't like get up in the morning and run a marathon. Like if I legitimately wanted to run a marathon and as an asthmatic and a person who like gets excited when they run three miles without passing out. like (laughs) That's going to take a lot of work and training. Mm -hmm. So when trust has been breached, when it's been broken, that too, it's like, could you get back to a place where you're like running your couple's marathon again? Yeah, you'll get there, but it's going to take time. Yeah. And I know we've been talking a lot about the the couple dynamic, but mm-hmm. this is absolutely true in any kind of uh, intimate relationship. And I don't use intimate to mean sexual. I'm, I'm you mean like emotionally Emotion, emotionally connected relationship where there was once vulnerability on both sides yes. that felt okay and safe. Yes. Thank you for being my human translator. <laughs> <laughs> you, friends at home, you can't see it, but I just got two thumbs up from Scott. <laughs> <laughs> in yeah, the so- words, in the words of one of those terrible earth romantic comedies, uh, I complete you. Ah. <laughs> I love it. Yep. Uh, yeah. So in any relationship where there's been vulnerability and now there's fear to have that vulnerability, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So it could be your romantic partner, but it could also be your sibling or your parents or, uh, yeah. Or, or maybe like your a kids. cousin or your kids, mm-hmm. your grandmother, your grandfather, like pick name of relative. And it could also be, uh, you know, someone that you like a, a former really close friend. Mhm. Yeah. And it we don't talk about this enough in our culture mm-hmm. about the need to repair in relationships. Yeah. Often the message is, well, if you fucked up, just write that off and move on, get some new people. <laughs> yep. And that's not to say that sometimes cutoffs happen. Right. Um they either have to happen for safety or they happen with no choice. Like we talked about last time where poor Gizmo was cut off from his, uh, from his home because it got right. torn down by capitalism. Um, but there is a possibility of making amends. We just don't talk about how to do it so people don't think of it as even being an option. Right. Or, but I mean, or if they, they do think of it as an option and they want it, like John does at the start of the movie, they have very minimal skills and tools to embark on this challenging journey and they freeze up and they sometimes say things that like just are that were not helpful um Mm -hmm. and that's why when holly leaves that conversation and john is like looking at himself in the mirror he's like come on man um because like he knows like he knows he's doing a bad job and he knows he doesn't like and that's not what he wants but he doesn't have the tools and the supports yet Mm -hmm. to make a different choice 
enter mm-hmm. Al Powell. And this is going to be one of those times where this may read as like a shameless plug for psychotherapy. And it is. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not self-promoting. No, we're not self-promoting. <laughs> but what we are saying is that, you know, if, if you if this holiday season is kind of a catalyst as it as it was for kind of Holly and John and Die Hard in the sense that you're like, okay, I'm going to be brought together with some folks that I really love, but I've also had a lot of problems with, and there's been some like distance and some pain, um, and there's going to be some barriers for us to get connected again. And when you think about, so first step is going to be like identifying that and thinking about, okay, what do I feel comfortable doing in relationship to this person? Mm-hmm. And what would I, what, what's my hope that our interaction could be? And if, we, and if you've identified that amends need to happen on one or both sides, then the question is going to be, do I feel like I have the current skills that I need to help facilitate that kind of conversation and exchange? Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, well, then I would say, think about the plan, maybe do some powerful visualization and then go to, mm-hmm. um, but if you get to that kind of like third step and you're like, ooh, I don't know how to do this, <laughs> this might be a time to find your own psychotherapist cop, Alpine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Al would be just a really person centered, yeah. thoughtful, caring, <laughs> but also challenging therapist. Yes, compassionately challenging, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, find your Al Powell. Um, or like if you have an Al Powell, but you're like, wow, like I haven't talked to Al in a while because things were going real great. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe maybe I feel like I need to go see him again. And like sometimes when we need to go see our friend Al Powell again, we're like, oh man, does this mean that I've regressed or backslid or that I haven't made important changes in my life? And the answer is no. <laughs> you've made great changes in your life you know like there's a reason that there's like so many diehard sequels first and foremost because capitalism Um, (laughs) but second reason as you as you know as you alluded to captain um there's a lot of different kinds of like amend type activities that John and Holly are going to need to do both together and with their family to kind of bring everyone back together again um And so that's going to mean that, like, maybe you need to go see your good friend Al Powell again, because you have grown, you have changed, you do have great skills, but you also have this new, this new Nakatomi Corporation party in front of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and sometimes you get that invitation to the holiday party that you weren't expecting, Mm -hmm. and suddenly it something that you had kind of put on the back burner or stuffed in the basement and locked the door has appeared. And that doesn't mean you didn't work on stuff. Of course you did. Right. Just suddenly this invitation has arrived and you're like, well, shit, do I accept that invitation? Right. And you're like, oh, look, there's like other stuff. There's (laughs) new stuff that this this is bringing up for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, yeah. So if you if you have your album, you haven't seen him, her, them in a while. This might be a time to reach out. And if if you don't have one, this might be a time for, to seek that person out. And at the very least, what I would say to our listeners would be to think about kind of turning to supportive friends, supportive community, separate from this individual that maybe you have this amend type need with to talk Mm -hmm. with them about like their thoughts their ideas of different ways to approach this Mm -hmm. yeah get support get Mm -hmm. community support yeah Mm -hmm. and and john had community support um he didn't know it i mean he knew it but he wasn't talking to them right (laughs) al told him that all the cops were betting on him or i guess they were bad but like along those (laughs) lines (laughs) <laughs> Along those lines, though, like, remember the beginning when he's he's frantic trying to get a hold of people over that walkie-talkie and no one is answering? And he thinks, and the movie kind of sets us up to think, that that nice human who drives the car, whose name I'm forgetting now, but is, keeps being pictured in, like, the back seat, like, getting drunk Argyle. on the minibar. Argyle, yes, Argyle. Oh, How could I, I forget that? Argyle. Such a great name, right? But, like, we're supposed to think, like, Argyle is going to be his, like, psychotherapist chauffeur driver, 
Um, and yes, there are some problematic racial undertones here that we're not going to get to today, but I just want to acknowledge that we see you problematic racial undertones. Um, <laughs> but that's not what happens, right? Um, he tries to reach him, Argyle, for like the first, I don't know, maybe like 10, 15 minutes of the film, and that's a no-go. He tries to reach other people. He gets those like, who who are those women he talks to? Like they're operating talk, a switchboard? He, yeah, he... So he, uh, when he first gets the radio, mm-hmm. he he goes to a specifically cop channel and calls for backup. And they're like, "Dude, this is a cop channel. If you have a problem, you need to call nine one one." And he's like, "The fuck!" Just... And they're like, "He's like, I have a problem. I can't get through." <laughs> he was like, "I listen." Well, they're like, you're against FDA regulations with what you're saying, or FCC, not FDA. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is against FCC regulations. And he's like, then fucking send someone to arrest me. But do something. And so, yeah, you're right. He does. He tries to reach out and people are just either unavailable or unwilling to... To help in the way that he needs but eventually he finds psychotherapist cop al powell and i think this can be very analogous to like the first times like you go on something like psychology today and you're like oh my god um look at all these different psychotherapists i feel overwhelmed i don't understand what's going on they Um, all say the same they all say the same things and maybe you like make a list and you try a few and it's like i can't get a hold of them this is not the right fit what's going on but here's where I would say channel your inner John McClane and don't give up because your Al Powell is out there waiting for you with a bag of Twinkies. Oh, that was so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I try. <laughs> okay. So what is the gem that we want to extend to our listeners? Um, I mean, I think we extended a very nice uh, hope gem, Mm -hmm. the hope diamond, if you will, around (laughs) around how it's frustrating to find a therapist, but possible. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) um, But the the purpose of this episode initially was how holidays can bring us together. Yes. So, um. So what I would say is that for our friends at home, Mm -hmm. consider when you receive an invitation to a holiday gathering, um, sit with it for a minute. Because if there are folks at that event that you do have problems with, your immediate reaction may be, no, I can't Mm -hmm. do it. I won't do it. I don't want to do it. Right. And that's fair. It is fair to feel that way that initial reaction, honor that. And also sit with it, tune into it and ask yourself, is it serving me to keep pushing this away with both hands and both feet? Or would I be better served to address it, Mm -hmm. which would be scary and hard, um, but may ultimately lead you to be driving away at the end of the movie in a limo with uh, Argyle and a big stuffed bear. <laughs> well said, sir. <laughs> would you add anything? The final thing that I would add is that if, if after sitting with it, you do decide that this is an opportunity that could lead to some healing amends, Spend some time thinking about what are the supports that you need that might be helpful in facilitating that process. Because I think one of the things that is almost always true about the making of amends is that we can't do it alone. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it literally requires the other human first and foremost (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> to well, whom we are making the amends or who's making the amends to us. Yeah. But and then we need like this whole community of people who are there who are going to show up. And some of them are going to be incredibly helpful, like Al. Mm-hmm. Some of them are going to be like delayed help, like Argyle. And some of them are just going to be well-meaning, but kind of in action, fucking assholes, like the chief of police. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and the reason we say this is almost always true is because sometimes in therapy, we talk about amends with folks who we don't have relationships with anymore, who have maybe passed away or mm-hmm. um, have we we can't talk to for some reason or other. Right. And that's kind of its own can of worms. It is. Uh, but what, as you're thinking about whether or not this is something you want to do, remember that you are an autonomous human being who gets to decide what to do with their mind and body. And as you sit with it, you, only you know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. And the answer might be, nope, get that away from me. Right. And that's fair, too. It might be won't go, not going, never, ne- never, not, not going. <laughs> yep. Or I'm going and I'm setting these parameters mm-hmm. and I'm going to I'm going to let it be known um, that even without making some sort of formal amends, it's worth it to me to go and spend time with these people. And so I'm just going to set some really strong boundaries for myself and find a way that it feels safe enough for me to go into that situation mm-hmm. Um same idea as last time, harm reduction. Right. How do we reduce the harm? Right. And last but not least, um, and then I do know it's time for us to wrap. Wow, that was such a surreal moment because I definitely say things like that in session. <laughs> <laughs> yep, me too. <laughs> but last but not least, know that if you are going to go with that option of like, I'm going to attend the Nakatomi Plaza holiday party, um yes i added the plaza in because i like i like the way it sounds um so (laughs) yes i'm gonna go to the noctomi plaza party but i'm not going to try try to engage with the amends component right now be aware that there are probably going to be things that come up that are going to bring up that desire to make and have amends And that that is normal, that that feeling is okay. And like my big encouragement would be to just give space to that feeling and to know that that feeling doesn't necessarily mean, oh man, I made the wrong choice. Now's the time for amends. Let's like fast track it right now. Because what it probably means first and foremost is, oh, I'm, I am now with this person or this group of people with whom I have this like challenging history and I wish there was a way for us to make amends and I'm feeling that really strongly because I'm with them right now but maybe right now is not the time to do that work yet Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. okay well Mm -hmm. what shall our friends google if they want more info about some of the stuff that we talked about today such a great question and have i got a list for our friends at home that requires <laughs> that required me to memorize and learn no names <laughs> yeah today was all about me mispronouncing things so you're welcome thank you um mm-hmm. so i would say uh you our folks at home y'all can take a look at like couples counseling um family of origin i know there's been a lot of family of origin in our holiday trifecta um but you know that's kind of the holidays deal um you could always take a look at uh the gottmans and their work they are they are a couple who have also done lots of research um in the field of couples counseling um, and then last but not least, we have transference, countertransference, and parallel processing for our fellow psychotherapists in the house. All right. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthy, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. <laughs> you are our Al Pal. Tune in for our next app on The Saga Concludes, Pickle Rick. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How the holidays tear us apart all over again. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and tell your friends. Seriously, people, rate and review us. We know you're out there, but we don't see you on our rates and reviews. We'd love to see you and know what you're thinking and if you're enjoying the show. 
And if there are any amends that you feel we need to make, you can, you know, reach out on our Facebook or Twitter, but please rate and review first. Yeah, Chris Columbus, if you're offended that I said Mr. Ming instead of Mr. Wing, let me know. And also Chris Columbus, if you're like, wow, that that human really has a great and untapped talent for voiceover work. Also, <laughs> let us know. Um, <clears throat> and as always, friends, live, live long and, and prosper. prosper. yippee ki motherfucker. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I picked up the wallet when I took a pause. Took out the license and it cold said Santa Claus. A million dollars in it cold, hundreds of G's. Enough to buy a boat and a matching car with ease. But I'd never steal from Santa cause that ain't right. So I'm gonna mail it back to him this night. But then got home I bugged cause under the tree there was a letter from Santa and the dough was for me. <laughs> Burr. Burr.